Our gathering scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home 
with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the one who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'll please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. May all that's done in this service today do nothing other than help us to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Amen. The two scriptures I chose for this Sunday come from a portion of the Gospel of John which scholars call the Farewell Discourse. It's called the Farewell Discourse because uh, Jesus is saying farewell. This is the last time that Jesus talks to the disciples as a collective and spends his time talking about his lessons and his leaving. He speaks about how he must go. He speaks about what they should do in his absence, and he speaks about how they need to hold fast to one another and that they will bear great fruit even in his presence or in his absence fruit that will last now i would forgive you if you think it's pompous that on my last sunday that i choose the scriptures <laughs> in which jesus basically is giving his last sermon before he leaves I would say Jesus' leaving is a little more impactful and dramatic than just moving to Chicago. <laughs> on my first Sunday, on Palm Sunday two years ago, I said something that I'll say again. No, I don't think I'm Jesus. <laughs> that much has remained true through these two years. I chose these scriptures for a few reasons, one of which being that it kind of sort of mirrors my first Sunday. That Palm Sunday, the sermon scripture was Christ entering into Jerusalem. My last sermon scripture is Christ preparing to leave. I like the bookends, it feels poetic. This is my AP English nerd from high school coming out. I chose these scriptures because, believe it or not, Jesus gives some pretty good advice to the disciples. <laughs> Why reinvent the wheel? Jesus first tells the disciples that they must abide in him and all he has taught them. They must be like good gardeners, pruning that which is dead and leaching the energy and tending to their new growth preparing it to succeed and to do better. They must be like congregants who do the laborious work, physically, spiritually, and emotionally laborious work of cleaning out rooms in the downstairs part of the church so that the community can come in. 
It must be like the church who paints walls and moves furniture and does away with old things and releases their fears because they don't have a place or a purpose anymore. And now they can grow in new and exciting ways that they never thought possible. Then Christ tells the disciples that they must abide in him. In order to grow and to produce good fruit, they must remain solidly in all that he has said and taught to them. Much like a grape cannot grow unless it's attached to the vine, which draws the nutrients from the soil, and it's attached to the leaves, which soak up the sun's energy, and it's attached to the roots, which drink up the life-giving waters, the church and the disciples cannot grow unless they remain rooted in Jesus. So they must be like the church that knows it cannot be church unless it takes time to worship, to read scriptures together, and to abide in God's love at the table. In order to bear good fruit, the church must remain rooted in that which gives it life. To be sweet like the taste of a fresh grape which grows on the vine, the church itself must be rooted in the joys of life. And it must rely on every part to grow that fruit. The last command that Christ gives the disciples before his death is to love one another. It's very striking to me that this is the last commandment and seemingly the most important one that Jesus says to them. In his instructions on how the disciples are going to survive without him, Christ thinks it's most important that they love one another. Yes, they need to abide in all that he has taught them. Yes, they need to have faith. Yes, they need to prune out the dead parts and attend to what is growing. But in order to do any of this, in order for this to be a possibility, for it to make any sense, they have to love one another. As Paul said, I can have the faith to move mountains. I can have the most beautiful language in the world. I can have all the wisdom and all the intelligence, knowing everything about everything. But if I do not have love, I have nothing. So Christ instructs the disciples to love one another. They should be like congregants who share a potluck after church, like congregants who hear each other and pray for each other through words and through actions. I would be truly pompous if I thought I could give a better farewell discourse than Jesus, that I could prepare you better for my leaving than doing anything other than just reiterating what Jesus has said. God's beloved, my advice to you is to abide with one another, which is something I think you're pretty exceptional at. And this advice that Jesus gave the disciples is not new to you. You are that church that reached a low and cleared out its dead branches. You are that church that doubled down on the gospel Doubled down on Jesus' love for all people. Doubled down on being a church for the community. Doubled down on no longer being insular. 
but a place of welcome for all. You heard God's calling, and voices told you to close, but you rooted down deeply into the gospel, into God's calling, and into one another. You are the church that loved one another when it seemed like all you had was one another. I have come and I have helped us to sustain. I have had plans and visions. I have had dreams and I have convened us for worship. But as you well know, the church is not a building and a church is not just one person. The church happens when you care for one another through sickness and health. The church happens when communion happens, not only in a worship service at a communion table, but at the potlucks where we feed one another and see each other in the body of Christ. The church happens where we feed one another, and the church happens where we come together in love seeing the divine spark inside each other. And worship also happens in many forms. We worship by respecting and caring for God's creation. We worship by trusting in God's providence for us. And we worship by seeking to deepen our relationship with Christ and each other. We also worship when we thank God for bringing us this far. And this is the work you have done before me. You were worshiping before me. You loved one another before me. You abided with Christ before me. And despite, or maybe even because of the trials you went through, you did so faithfully. Not knowing or expecting what tomorrow might bring, yet you came together you loved one another, and you worshipped anyway. Now I'll pat myself on the back. I think I've done a pretty good job, but I didn't do it alone. If I am in the pulpit and there is no congregation, there is no church. If I preside at the table and there's nobody to receive communion, there is no church. If I preach a word and nobody hears it, there is no church. But if you gather and you share communion with no pastor friends, you are the church. If you hear and pray for one another, you are the church. If you read scriptures and just sit in silence just to be with one another as you reflect on God's word, and then you go and drink some coffee, you are being the church. You have been the church, you are the church, and you will continue to be the church. I am pretty proud of what we have done, but have no illusions. I did not start what we are doing. I did not birth it. It is not my creation. It is ours, and blessedly it will continue to be yours because you are the church. You are not the church alone. I will leave you with the words that Christ gave the disciples. All this I have spoken while still with you.
but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen.